Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Um, let's get into words. So we're going to be um, talking out of the book of Exodus tonight. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, um, chapter 2, verse uh, 10. Uh, Exodus ch- uh, chapter 1, verse 22, through chapter 2, verse 10. Um, but I want to, before we read this, I want to kind of give you a little bit of context of what's been taking place um, before we jump into here in Exodus chapter 1. So we know the story of Joseph. Joseph just is the second in command over Egypt. And so he brings his family, the Hebrews who were, you know, in nomadic lands, he brings them to Egypt so they could escape famine. So he brings, brings his whole family with them. And that, his whole family that he brought with them numbered between, you know, two to three hundred people. And so in Exodus 1, it says that he brings his whole family there, and they're able to escape the famine. They're able to, um, you know, not escape the hardships of where they came from. But it says that over the years, um, a couple of generations, that their numbers uh, grew exponentially. It says that they grew so much, the number of the Hebrew people, that they began to outnumber the, the, the Egyptians. And now this is a couple of generations after Joseph. And so the new Pharaoh, um, who has no idea really of who Joseph was and what he, what he did, is uh, really intimidated by the number of Hebrews. And so he tells uh, his nation that because he's intimidated and afraid of a, a revolt from the Hebrew people, he says we should make all the Hebrew people our slaves to kind of oppress and keep the Hebrew nation down. Which is, uh, you know, interesting because... The Egypt was never the promised land for the Hebrews, right? Egypt wasn't the promised land. It was actually a land of escape. They were escaping famine, but they got comfortable in their escape that pretty soon their escape became what they were enslaved to. And so that's just a, a thought that I was thinking about. I mean, who knows there's some things that we escape to that we eventually become enslaved to, if that makes sense. You know, there's some things if that we might escape to, you know, use alcohol to escape with or entertainment or our phones. You know, some of the things we're most enslaved to is in our pocket, but we just don't realize it. Um, but the, the Egyptians were never meant, or the Hebrews were never meant to stay in Egypt. That was just meant to, to a place they, they escaped to, but they get comfortable there. They eventually became enslaved in Egypt. But it says that even though that the Egyptian pharaohs and people oppressed the Hebrews, the Hebrews still grew exponentially. It says the more that the, the Egyptians oppressed the Hebrews, the more they grew. They were multiplying and multiplying. And so the pharaohs getting even more scared and even more scared. And so out of a really jump of, of fear, this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. And so the, the pharaoh, out of a new way of oppressing the Hebrew people says this. Then the Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people. He said, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. And it says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special boy and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sisters then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. 
When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby, and the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. She said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Then the the baby sister approached the princess and said, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted, adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The title for tonight's message is Protected Promises. Protected Promises. Let's, let's pray over service tonight. Father, we thank you that you've gathered us tonight online and in person. Um, that the reason why you gathered us, Father, is so that we could grow closer to you. So, Jesus, we give this sermon, we give this night over to your spirit. Take full reign, God. We thank you for open minds and soft hearts that we're able to totally transform people tonight. That you are going to do what you do best, which is make the dead things alive, which is to totally change our, our minds and turn us around for the good. So, Father, we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place tonight. And we thank you, Father, that your spirit is going to have free reign. In the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Um, so I actually had just gotten back um, a couple of days ago from a quick vacation with my family. And we uh, got a house in a hill country with a pool. And it was going to be more of like a chill vacation because, you know, you can't vacation during COVID. You know, you just have to stay, you know, at the house. So we, we just got like a Airbnb with a pool and we just laid out, you know, with my family and their kids, or little babies. And um, so I was in the sun a lot. The first day I was in the sun, um, I usually don't put on too much sunscreen because, you know, I have a lot of melanin, you know. Any brown people in the house knows you don't have to put on that too much, right? Or so much that, I, you know, that's what I thought. So the, the first day, you know, I put on a little bit and because uh, usually I don't get sunburned because, you know, it's not my problem. Um, but the second day, um, I, I, I was going out to the pool and I didn't feel like putting on sunscreen. I was like, you know what, it's no big deal. I never get sunburned. Like, I never get sunburned. Like, I, I just don't. And so the second day, I don't put any sunscreen on. And um, like, I'm, I'm not, I told myself not to be out in the pool for long because, you know, just in case something does happen, I don't want to be out there for a few hours and really get burned. But me and my brother-in-law decided to uh, play um, some pool basketball. Some people know what I'm talking about, which is just like a kitty goal at the edge of the pool, and we had a basketball, and we were saying, hey, let's just play like, you know, 21, just for fun. And it, it was one of those games where at first it starts out with, you know, there's rules, and, you know, it's not that intense. But by the end of it, we were like putting each other in headlocks and like trying to drown each other to get the ball. Like it got really intense at the end. And long story short, that game took like two hours long. Like we were just like going at it. Um, but this whole time, I didn't have any sunscreen on. I didn't think it was a big deal. And during that game, I was just so much in the competition. If you know me, I just love to compete. Like, I just think it's fun. And so we're just, like, in the competition, you know, with me and my brother-in-laws. And the game's over, and I'm getting out. And all of a sudden, I feel, I'm like, man, this feels weird. And I look, and my shoulders and my chest is just red, like peach red. I'm like, oh, no. And, you know, I didn't think, like, man, I never get sunburned. And, and, you know, if anybody's ever been sunburned, it's hard to get sleep that night, right? 
Because, like, every time you turn your head, you're just like, ah, you know, you're just, like, getting burned. And uh, so I was thinking about that, and it kind of reminded me of what the title for tonight's message is, which is Protected Promises. It's kind of like sunscreen. When it comes to God's protection, you don't really notice it when it's there, but, man, you can feel it when it's not there, right? Right. You, You don't really... You're not really aware when you when God's protection is on you, but man, when it's not there, you can feel the pain, you can feel the pushback, and you can feel what is actually there. And everybody knows that you know it's kind of a broken record, but 2020 seems like it's out for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what occupation you have, it doesn't matter um, you know what you're trying to accomplish. It seems like everybody's dreams, everybody's promises, it seems like that we are being attacked from every angle during 2020. And if there's ever been a time that we need, because I, I want to encourage somebody um, tonight, because I know there's a lot of people who feel like that they are going and they are unprotected, who feel like the promises they've been getting, given, the dreams, the, the, the purpose that God's put on their life, they feel like it's being stolen from them. But what I want people to be encouraged by tonight is to know that they have a protector. That they have somebody who is looking out for their purpose. They have somebody who's protecting their promises. And even though 2020 is crazy right now, and let me, like, you know, it's crazy right now, who knows that it's nothing compared to our God. Amen? You see, just because, right, it's just because the world seems in disorder. Just because it seems like everything's out of whack, it doesn't mean that God's out of control, right? Just because everything seems like, like everything is, is, is not right, it doesn't mean that God's protection is not there. God's protection is here. And it, it, it reminds me of what the, the story we just read in Exodus of God's promise. There's a promise happening. You see, in, in Genesis 15, verse 13 through 14, it says this. And this is a few hundred years before Exodus chapter 2, before uh, what we just read took place. And this is God talking to Abram, and he says, Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But, everybody say but. Thank God for a but, right? This yeah. world will not be good if it wasn't for but God coming in. Right. He says, it, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. You see, that right there, that's the promise God is saying. He's saying, hey, Abram, your people, the, the, the Hebrew nation, your descendants, they're going to go through something. They are going to be enslaved. But let me tell you something. I'm going to intervene, and y'all are going to come out better than before. That's the promise that he's giving Abram right now. And so we all know the story of Moses, right? He's the, he's the one that's going to fulfill that promise, that God's gonna, he's going to be led by God to lead his people out of Egypt. We know that Moses is the correction to that problem. But what the story just read is that they were being persecuted, and that actually during that persecution is when Moses was born. During that persecution is when a promise was born. And that makes me think about 2020, because I can't wait to look back a few years from now and look back at 2020 and say, yeah, a lot of things were going on, but a lot of things were born on the inside of me during that time. A lot of things started on me during the season of 2020. A lot of things that grew in me that I never thought could be pulled out, but because so many things was happening and so many things was coming at me, something on the inside of me grew that I didn't even know was there. 
is during that, that time is when things are, the times of persecution is when promises are born on the, on the inside of us. And that's why we can't, we can't overlook the obstacles and the opposition that the enemy throws at us. Because every opposition, every obstacle that we see, there's actually an opportunity buried in the middle of it. And any time that we see the enemy try to come against us, we can always know, right, that God turns all things for his glory, right? So if he says all things, he means all things, right? He doesn't just mean some things that look good. No, all things can be turned around for his glory. So if there's an opposition, if there's an obstacle, I know for a fact that God can turn that around. Amen? So don't avoid obstacles. Don't avoid those oppositions because I'm telling you there's an opportunity for us to grow and develop. But it seemed right when Moses was being born was right when Pharaoh was trying to kill him. Well, that seems like right when Moses, the promise of what God was saying, that he was going to lead the people out of Egypt, right when he was being born, Pharaoh was trying to kill all the Hebrew boys. And the first point tonight is that with every promise, there's a pushback. With every promise, there's a pushback. Every time God puts something on the inside of you, every time he promises you something, you better believe that the enemy is going to try to push back against that. You see, don't bail on your purpose just because there's a problem in your way. Because every time, every time there's a promise, I'm telling you, there's going to be a pushback. I'm telling you right now, anytime, and people who've lived long enough can agree, anytime God has tried to give you something, it seems like the enemy's trying to do the exact opposite. See, stepping into your purpose, following after God, Falling after his promises is not going to be easy. And that's the thing about God's promises is that fulfilling them is never an easy case. Matter of fact, it's going to be one of the most difficult things that we can do with our lives, but it's going to be the most fulfilling thing we've ever done. And that's the thing about God's promises is that it's the only way for you to feel fulfilled is when you do your purpose that God has called you to do. Do you agree with me? Come on, give him an amen. You see... When you follow after God's purpose and you follow his promises, they always will push you outside of your comfort zone. They will always make you grow. It will always make you seem like you're stretching beyond your, your, your belief, beyond what you can handle. Because let me tell you something. I, I like that God won't give you more what you can handle, but sometimes it feels like he does. Because sometimes it feels like he's given you so much that you have no choice but to rely on him. And that's exactly what God's process is about. So don't let these, whenever God promises you something, don't let these obstacles intimidate you anymore. Don't let these problems in front of you make you take a step back and say, is this, is this really God? Because anytime God promises you something, anytime he puts a purpose in front of you, the enemies right away is going to try everything he can to prevent that from happening. But you have to know on the inside of you and know, hey, if God promised it, right, he doesn't just say something. He means what he says. So if God promised me something and I see an obstacle in front of me, I didn't know that no demon, no devil, right, no, no nothing that comes against me is going to prosper because there's a promise. And I know God's going to see me through. So don't be caught off guard by setbacks anymore. I mean, that's one of the things I, I get so often is, you know, someone comes up to me so, you know, so CJ, I really, you know, felt like God told me to start this business, and I started it, and it didn't work out. And then, you know, I'll be like, and? He's like, and he was like, well, and? I don't think God meant it. I was like, you know, well, hold up. 
just because it doesn't happen right away doesn't mean it's not God's promise, right? And we don't serve a flip-floppy, two-faced God. When he says something, he means it. So if you feel in your spirit God told you to do something, let me tell you it's going to take place and it's going to happen. It might not happen right away. It might not happen without some learning experiences and some growth experiences, right? But it's going to happen. And, you know, maybe it didn't happen right away with that business, for, for example, because you're meant to learn, you know, not do it for, for the first time and change some things and learn, and then it's going to take off. Or that might happen the third or fourth or fifth time. Or, but what the point is, is that when God promised you something, don't be intimidated when you mess up the first time. Don't be intimidated when you mess up the second time or the third time or the fourth time. When God promised you something, you have to have the perseverance on the inside of you. Say, you know what? If God promised me this, if God showed me this in in my heart and my dreams, then I know for a fact he's going to see me through. So I'm not going to stop some setback, you know, take me back from doing God's promises. Yes, here's the thing. The bigger the pushback, the bigger the promise, right? The greater the attack, the greater the anointing. And so sometimes I get a little, you know, okay, something's big's about to happen. Because when I think about 2020, and it's one of the bigger pushbacks I've seen in my lifetime, I get excited because I know that the enemy is trying to stop something that God's about to do. And God's about to do do something incredible beyond our dreams and beyond our, our imagination. Because the bigger the pushback, the bigger the promise that God has for you. And so if you're living life and you feel like that God or that the enemy has just been pushing and pushing on you and that the, the obstacles and the opposition has been too great, you need to, to get some, some inspiration in your heart and some confidence in your soul knowing that if the enemy is coming at me this hard, then I know God has something great on the other side. Amen. You see, when God promises you something, see... Your warranty isn't from man, right, but your warranty is from heaven. You know, who, who likes warranties when you have, a, you know, expensive technology, right? right? You want a warranty. No one's know that, you know, you have protection or insurance on it. When God promises you something, the warranty of that happens from heaven, not from man. And, w- and what's amazing about that is because man, right, will fail you, but God will never fail. So when God promises you something... The warranties from heaven, meaning that there, there is nothing that, that, you, that the enemy can do. There's, there's no kind of opposition too great that when God promises something, the warranty is in heaven. Because men will always fail us. All right, who's ever been promised something by a person? Who knows? You usually can't hold somebody to their word because as much as we like to, to admit it, nobody's perfect, Right? And so we can't put all our full confidence in man, but when God promises something, we can take that promise to the bank. See, but we have to do it God's way. We have to do it God's way. And point number two is you can't get to the promise of God, promises of God by using the process of man. I'm going to say that again. You can't get to the promises of God by using the process of man. You can't accomplish God's mission in your heart by using the methods of man. You have to do it God's way. Because, see, with every promise that God gives you, there's a process that's, that is attached to it. Every time God promises you something, there's a process attached to it. Every time. 
Anytime God puts a dream in your heart, there's a process attached to it. It's, it's never something that God promises you, and you can say, okay, cool, and you just have to sit on your hands and not do anything, and it's going to happen. Every time God promises you something, there's always a process attached to it. And we have to make sure that we don't just follow out right, the methods of, of man, but we do it God's way. We follow the process that he puts in front of us because we know if we do it God's way, right, it's going to come, it's going to be done. Because a lot of times we, we feel this promise from God. We have a dream that we feel like God is trying to lead us to do. And we say, okay, God, let's do it. And then we try and make our own process. Who's ever done that? Okay, God, you want me to be, um, you know, a, a doctor or a missionary or whatever. Okay, well, I'm going to get this degree, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to get this internship, and I'm going to get that job for two years, and after two years, I'm going to get that job. And we create this process in our mind thinking that's God, right? And we try to do God's will our way. Who's ever tried to do that, right? We try to do God's will our way. Uh, we're talking about Joseph. We all know the story of Joseph. When God gave Joseph, Joseph his promise in a dream and and. God showed Joseph that eventually he was going to hold a authority figure kind of power. He, he, in, in a dream, he didn't know the, what the process of that was. He didn't know that he was going to be betrayed by his brothers. He didn't know the process was going to be being thrown in a pit and being sold into slavery and being, having to serve in Potiphar's house and being wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife and then being thrown into prison. Like He didn't know that that was the process to God's promise. Matter of fact, it says in scripture that as soon as he got that promise, he went around and he started, you know, strutting around and talking to his brother saying, hey, eventually you're going to serve me, you know. And he did it. He didn't know that to get to the promise of God, he had to go through the process. See, we're not, we are not meant to have God's process figured out. And a lot, a lot of ways we, we can't get over the hump because we, we want to make sure that we have the process of God's promises figured out. We want to make sure that we see, okay, I see A, B, C, I see one, two, three, I see where I'm going to be in five years, I see where I'm going to be in ten years, and we think that's God's process, but really, that's our process, because we're not meant to wrap our minds around the process that God has for us. See, if you, if you have that process figured out, I hate to break it to you, but then it's probably not from God, you know, because we have such a, a finite, you know, uh, understanding that it says that God's ways go beyond our ways. So if we think we have God figured out, then it's not God because we're not capable of that. Now get what I'm saying? You see, God's promise takes patience. God's promise takes patience. When, when you don't reach the promise of God, it's not because of his incompetence. It's always because of our impatience. And man, if there's number one thing that every man seems to struggle, we all struggle with it, is patience. I mean, man, especially in today's time, in what we call like the microwave generation, where, where I, I complain, if I go to Chick-fil-A and I go by curbside and I'm waiting for more than two minutes, I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, man, I got places to be, things to do. Like, I'm so used to instant gratification to as soon as I hear it, I get it. As soon as I want it, I receive it. But that's not the way God's promises work. And so we struggle so much with this thing called patience. And if we, we, we're excited to follow after God, but after six months of following him and we don't get what we thought we should get, all of a sudden, right, we start to lose that patience and we start, start to lose that confidence and we start putting our confidence in our own thinking, in our own ways, in the ways that the world tells us to get it done. But it always takes patience to get to God's promises. One thing I want to hit on real quick is God's timing. I want to hit on this real quick. 
So we can all agree that God's timing, that God is omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing. He sees the beginning from the end. Like, he sees, you know, our yesterday. He sees our today. He sees our tomorrow. Like, he sees it all, right? We can all agree on that. But it seems that when God tells us he's going to do something, and it, it doesn't happen according to our timing, we think it's not going to happen, Right? Like, if God tells us that eventually that this, this gives us this promise, and we say, okay, cool, God, uh, you're going to do this for me? Well, if it's not done in two and a half months, I, you know, that's when I want. And, like, we, we put this timing on God's promises. But when God promises you something, remember, he's omniscient, omnipresent, he already sees it done. He's not promising you something. It's already promised, and it's already done. In his eyes, when he tells you something's going to happen, it's done. You know, there, there's no waiting on it for him. He, time is not a factor for him. He sees it done. But, but when you see that promise and it has to come into your, right, fruition and, and it has to become it's real for you, you think that, oh, it hasn't happened in my time frame, therefore it won't happen. Right? But God's timing, God's timing is something that we just have to trust. God's timing is something if God promised it to me, and just like Joseph, I mean, we read the Bible and we read the story of Joseph and we're like, hey, hang in there, buddy. Eventually, it's all going to work out, you know? Joseph didn't know that. Joseph was just in prison looking at God and saying, like, what's the deal? You know, you, you promised me the palace. You promised me authority. You promised me these, these positions. But I've just been, you know, betrayed. I've just been thrown in prison. I've been done wrong. Like, it seems to me that, right, it's not working out. That's Joseph's mindset. He doesn't see that eventually he's going to, that God's going to make out of his promise. But Joseph, right, he never stopped. He, he, never, he never stopped. He never turned his back on God. He kept his patience. Third point for tonight is that where you place your trust determines where your protection comes from. Where you place your trust determines where your protection comes from. By that I'm saying if you put your trust in man, let me say, tell you, your protection is going to come from man. If you put your trust in your abilities, if you put your trust in your talent, well, then your protections, that's what it's going to cover, you know. But when you put your, your trust and when you put your confidence in God, that's when God can protect you. That's when the protection of God comes upon you. Because like I mentioned before, man will fail. Man will turn your back on you when, when things are tough. Man, man will never meet your expectations. So if you put your trust in something so up and down, let me tell you, your protection, your, your, your shelter, your shield, it's not going to feel like it's there. But when you put your trust in God, when you put into something that is constant, when you put your trust in, in the all-knowing God, I'm telling you, you're always going to feel that protection. You're always going to feel that provision that only he offers. See, sometimes you have to trust God because it's hard to trust. That's another thing that's hard for us to do. It's hard, it's hard to trust, especially if you're hard-headed like me, right? It's hard to trust because you want to do it on your own. You, you, you want to make sure that, that, you know, that you can accomplish it by your own reasoning, that you can accomplish it by, by your own means because then you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's going to happen. But what trust is all about is saying, God, I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know who's going to do this, right? Trust is all about Moses' parents putting their baby in a basket saying, I don't know why you're asking us, telling us to do this, being so led to do this. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's what trust is, and that's when God can protect you because what you're telling God when you trust him, what you're telling him is, God, I feel safe with you. 
I feel safe in your will. I, I feel safe in your promises. But when you don't trust God, what you're, what you're really saying to him is say, God, I, I know you're all powerful, all knowing, but I feel, I feel safer with my own abilities. I feel safer with, with the methods of man. I feel safer with what the world has to offer. And who knows, that never turns out right. Man, if anyone's, I mean, a lot of mistakes has happened because I put more trust in man than I did in God. And so that's the hump we have to get over is saying, Father, no matter what happens, no matter what 2020 turns out, because we still got five months to go, man. We still got a long ways to go in 2020. It doesn't matter what happens in the rest of this year, I'm not going to lose my trust in you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to lose my patience because I know that if I put my trust in you, only you are the one who can meet all my needs. Not our friends, not our boss. Not the stock market, you know, not, not these things that we try to put our trust into. Only God can meet that. Will you stand up with me tonight as I close? I want to close with this thought. God protects us not because we deserve it, but because he desires it. God protects us not because we deserve it, but because he desires it. As a lot of you all know or may not know, um, a few years ago, or actually, well, man, longer than that, when I was in high school, five, six years ago, uh, a couple times uh, I had when my lung collapsed. Twice during my high school career, my lung collapsed. And both times they were, they were life-threatening, and both times I wasn't supposed to make it, and both times, you know, it was a, it was a miracle I did. The first time it happened, it was my sophomore year, and um, I was living that lifestyle where, you know, you, you say you love Jesus, but you're not living like you love Jesus. Can anybody relate? Um, and so that was the lifestyle I was, I was living my sophomore year. And all of a sudden, boom, my, my lung collapsed. And, and they say that, you know, if I would have um, not gone to the hospital and if I would have gone to sleep that night because I was in pain about 2 in the morning and I, I wanted to fall asleep, but I couldn't because my lung was collapsing. I didn't know it. And they said if I wouldn't have gone to the hospital, that I would have suffocated in my sleep that night. And when I got to the hospital, they, they did, um, you know, emergency surgery on me, and they had to do it so quick um, that they weren't able to put me under. They didn't have time to put me under, so I was awake during the surgery, and they put in a chest tube, and I was in the hospital for a couple weeks or a little longer. Um, but I got, out, I got out, out all right. And something that God told me during my time in, in the hospital, um, because for really the whole time before that, my mindset was, you know, God, I, I, you know, I'm still young. You know, um, I, I'm still in high school. Um, I'll live for you tomorrow. Let me do what I want to do today. Does anybody know that mindset? Like maybe in a five years, ten years, whatever, I'll get my life together then. But right now, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Like I love you, Jesus. I know you're there, and eventually I'll get to you. Like don't worry. You know, that's what's kind of my mindset. But after that took place, what God told me is, is that you can't wait to live for me tomorrow. Like you have to start today because you're not promised tomorrow. You have to start today because you're not promised tomorrow. And um, you would think after all that happened that I would have changed. And for a little bit, I did. Um, but then um, a few months later, I kind of went back to the same routine. But then my senior year, my other lung, lung, lung collapsed and it was just as bad. And it was just as, um, you know, life-threatening. And, and the, the doctors told me, you know, it's incredible that you're still alive. You know, God's hand must be on you and all that. Um, so I was able to make out after, after a few weeks. But while, what I was thinking about, and when I was thinking about God's protection, I was saying, God, 
why did you protect me during that season? Because I wasn't living right. You know, I didn't deserve it. You know, I, I wasn't like I was on fire for God. It wasn't like I was trying to do all I could do. It wasn't like I was reading scripture. It wasn't like I was just, just living this life that Jesus called me to live. live. No, I was basically doing the opposite. But yet, Jesus still protected me during that season. And what he told me was, it, it, it's, it's not something that I qualify for. I mean, God doesn't wait, and, and when I mess up, he doesn't say, oh, you messed up, and so you're outside of my protection zone. Oh, you, you made a mistake, and you're, you're outside of, of what I can protect. Because I know there's, there's maybe people here tonight who are saying, Caleb, it feels like that, you know, God did promise me something, but I messed up. And I feel like since I messed up, that I no longer qualify for that promise. I, I no longer qualify for his protection. I'm no longer good enough because I messed up, and I messed up bad. And, and I know there's maybe people in here saying that tonight. But this is the point. I want to get across, and I really believe that this can set people free, is that when you make a mistake, it doesn't surprise God. I know it's kind of simple thought, but when you do something wrong, God is not surprised. But here's the, here's the awesome thing, is that when God was giving you that promise, when God was putting that calling on your life, he knew ahead of time that you were going to mess up. He knew ahead of time already that you're going to make those mistakes, but he gave you that promise anyways. He gave you that calling on your life anyways, knowing that you were going to come up short, but he loves us so much because who knows we serve a God that doesn't see us for our imperfections or what we've done wrong, but we serve a God that sees his son and sees his, his righteousness. And so when he gives us a calling and when we mess up, it, we don't come short, but actually God sees it all already ahead of time. So what I want us to accept tonight is saying, God, what are some things, what are some promises, what are some dreams that I have given up on? What are some things in life that you have given me that I don't think I'm good enough anymore? Because guilt and self-condemnation is the quickest way for you to miss out on God's best in your life. So I want us to sing one song tonight, and I want us to draw a circle around ourselves, and I want to say, Father, I believe that you're bigger than my problems. I believe that you're bigger than my past. I believe that your love outweighs my mistakes. And say, God, redeem myself. Redeem all the areas that I'm holding on to in my life because I, 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 qualify, I deserve your protection. Let's pray over tonight. Father, we thank you that we are stepping forth in your spirit. We thank you, Father, for a renewal of our mind. We thank you that any self-condemnation, any doubt, Father, anything that we're holding on our shoulders, that right now, Father, we release that onto you. We release that guilt onto you, Father. We release all those things that are weighing us down that from tonight on, God, we are going to be free from. We thank you, Father, that you wrapped us up in your love, that you wrap us up in your grace and your mercy, that it doesn't matter what we've done in the past or what we did or what we thought we did, Father, but that you are bigger than it all. So, Father, take over this moment, God. Let your spirit just free us, God. Lift us up, God. Lift our, our feel of freeness, this weight being lifted off our shoulders, God, us knowing that when you look at us, you don't look at what we've done. You don't look at the mistakes. But, Father, you see your son, and you see righteousness, and you see the blood of Jesus, God, and that when you look down on us, Father, you know 
who we are. You know what we're called to. So right now, God, we thank you for promises being fulfilled, for purposes being realized, God, and that no matter what, no matter what the world throws at us, Father, we're not going to lose our trust in you. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. Love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.